morning and welcome to the ministry and music of First Assembly of God in Trenton. This is Dr. M.D. Anderson. I'm the senior pastor inviting you to worship with us at 945 for Sunday School and family worship at 1040. The evening service is at 6 o'clock. On Wednesday evening at 7, there are activities for all ages. May God bless you now as we lift up the name of Jesus in song and ministry.
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. We'll be reading from there in just a moment. Do you know God delights to pour out His kindness and mercy on people? I know that some people have a different opinion about God, but that's not the way that He is. God is a good God. Amen. God is good. Now, the devil's rotten. But God is good. The good thing is that God likes to pour out his goodness and his kindness on everybody. This is one of the things that is so amazing about grace is that God does not just look for good people. Just in case you came here this morning thinking that everybody that's in church is good people. I want you to understand that we're just people. We are all just sinners saved by grace. Nobody's better than anyone else. We, we are all on a level plane. And it is just goodness of God and grace of God that reaches to enemies to fearful people, to helpless people, to spiritually bankrupt people, to people who are the despised of the world, it is grace that reaches to us. Thank God for grace. Amen. Do you remember the events around Simon Peter's denial of Jesus Christ? Peter said to the Lord, Lord, I will never forsake you. But he did. And when he did, he was devastated and ashamed. How many of you have ever made a, a rash statement like, I will never sin again? Have you ever said something like that? Or maybe you've been struggling with a problem in your life and you said, I'll never do it again. Isn't it terrible? I think we are somewhat just like Simon Peter. And that's where the grace of the Lord comes through for us. Luke chapter 22 verse 32 says, the Lord is speaking and he's talking to Simon. He says, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, you see, here, here's the grace of God. God sees that we are going to fail, but he doesn't say, if you fail, I'm going to cut you out of the inheritance. I'm going to cut you out of my, my, my grace. I'm going to cut you out of my mercy. That's not the way the, that the Lord God works. Hallelujah. I'm glad his grace is still extended toward us. He says, when you have turned back, you see, the Lord knows the beginning from the end, and he knows that even if you fail, he's, he's got plans for you, and he wants to bring you back. That's good news. It's good news for failures. But then after he brings you back, he says, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Now, what he's saying is this. There are more people around you that are going to fail besides just you. And they are also going to need grace. Amen. 
If you have been given grace, you should be a giver of grace. Amen. It's a whole lot easier to receive it than to give it, isn't it? I love for people to be kind to me. Don't you? But if we receive kindness and if we receive grace, we should be dispensers of kindness and grace. So he says, when you've turned back, after you have received grace, after you have received forgiveness, Peter, you need to go out and you need to strengthen other people and you need to let them know God will take you back. God's grace is sufficient for you and me. You know it, friends. God wants to take people like you and me who fail. And we all fail. And he wants to strengthen us. He wants to bring us back. He wants to restore lives that have been bankrupt. He wants to provide all that we need so that when we have failed, we can come back to him and find mercy and grace for the time of our need. You see, grace is a demonstration of God's ability, His power, and His riches. God has enough ability, power, and riches to calm any storm of life that you're going through. Any situation that you are, fa- you are facing, any failure that you have made, His, his ability is enough. His power is adequate and His riches are sufficient to take care of all of your failures. See, fear is one of the most inappropriate attitudes that we have toward God. And I think most of us at one time or another have had fear toward God. Maybe God will not forgive me for what I have done. And so we we hesitate to pray or we hesitate to come to Him You need to understand, we have a loving Heavenly Father who wants to show mercy and grace to you. What do you think is the most frequent frequent command in the Bible? Do you think it's be holy or be loving or be obedient? N.T. Wright says the most frequent command in the Bible is don't be afraid or fear not. Now, you think about that for a moment. A lot of us have got to a place in life where we think that all that God wants out of us is the requirement to not fail. But God realizes that we are human. Now, God's not making excuses for our humanness, but He has made provision for it So that when we do fail, he will take us back and he will strengthen us. So for that reason, God says to you and me, don't be afraid to come to me. Fear not. You see, I think that our problem is we have a twisted value, our sense of understanding of who God is. And because of that twisted relationship. I don't know what your family relationship is. And a lot of times we equate God's relationship with family relationships. Or with relationships with other. Or maybe with relationships with the church. 
You might have had a bad experience with people in church and church people have not been forgiving to you. Our family has not been forgiven, forgiving to you. And because of that lack of grace from human beings, you think, well, that's the way that God is. You need to understand that that's not the way that God is at all. Our God is a loving God. He is a good God. He is a gracious God. He is abundant in mercy. He's not willing that any should perish. But before God can bless us, God, for some reason, has to keep on reassuring us. It's like, it's like the parent, come and get some love. And the child says, I'm afraid to come and get love because the last time I came close, you hit me. Come on and get some love. I remember the last time. This, this is a grace that God has provided at a great cost for you. At a great cost for me. God purchased peace and heaven for all eternity through the price of his son. If God would give his son to save you. Friends, the word of God says, how will he not also with him also freely give us all things? If you haven't realized your need, the depth of your need for God's grace, you, you, you need to understand that you need it. You need God's mercy. You need God. To, to minister to you. Without, without grace, friends, we are totally helpless. Without grace, we are bankrupt. Without grace, we have no hope. We are, we are completely empty without God's grace. Without God's grace, there is nothing that we have. There is nothing that we can get. There is nothing where, where we can go for help. God's grace opens the door for us. Ephesians 2 and verse 1 describes the extent of the darkness and despair we have fallen into. Paul says, our ruin is complete. He says, our sin was black and our situation was hopeless. Listen to this, Ephesians 1, or 2 and verse 1, it says, and you, look at these four pictures, will you? What does God do with our sin? First of all, but God has taken our sin. Isn't that good news? We need this divine interruption, the power of God over sin in our lives. I don't have the ability to get rid of it, but God has taken our sin from us. Psalms 103 and verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You need to get this image in your mind. You know, when you go to the North Pole, once you reach a certain point, you start going south. But if you start going west, you never reach east. You just keep going west. And if you go east, you can just keep going east. And you really never reach the point where the two meet. God has removed our sins 
so far from us that they are as far as the east is from the west. God, get the picture in your mind. When God deals with your sin, it is dealt with. I know how some of us live. I have seen you in action. Some of you live with the concept that God has moved our sins as far as the north is from the south. And one of these days, if we look hard enough, we will find them. It's the truth. Because after a period of time, you start condemning yourself again over the things that God has already forgiven you for. And you start rehearsing them again in your mind. And you start saying to yourself, I am still such a miserable sinner because of those things that I went to the altar about and God forgave me. They're still haunting your mind. You need to get this picture that God takes your sins from you and he puts them as far away from you as the east is from the west. Second, God has hidden our sin behind his back. Isaiah 38 and verse 17. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. How big is God? How big do you think the back of God is? If God puts something behind his back, God is not going to find it. He's put it away from us. It is behind the back of God. By the grace and mercy of God through Christ Jesus, God has chosen to not let our, our sins stand before him or before us. He's put them behind his back. God has put them away. He no longer sees them. That's good news. God is not holding your sins up as a trophy in front of your eyes. God has put them away. If you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe, if you come asking for forgiveness, God will put your sins away and he will not remember them against you again. Third, but God has blotted out our record. Isaiah 43 and verse 25, it says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. I, I think you need to pay attention to that. God does it for his sake, not for your sake. It's because God is good. It's because he's good all of the time. It's because God doesn't fail. It's because the grace of God is greater than our understanding. It's because God is greater than your failures. That he, on his own account, takes it away from you. Preachingtoday.com gives a story of Bob Sheffield. Who, was, who became a Christian. Before he became a Christian, he played professional hockey in Canada. He was tough. He loved to fight. Uh, one night he found himself in jail after a barroom brawl. Then Bob and his wife became Christians, and after they became Christians, they took a, a temporary assignment in the United States with the Navigators. But because he was a criminal... And had a criminal record. They would not give him a permanent type of status so he could continue ministering in the United States. So Bob and his wife went back to Canada and they applied for what is called the Queen's Pardon. Following a thorough investigation, the pardon was granted and Bob 
Sheffield received the following notice in the mail. The notice came from the government and it said, Whereas we have since been implored on behalf of the said Robert Jones Sheffield to extend a pardon to him in respect to the convictions against him, and whereas the Solicitor General here submitted a report to us, now know ye therefore, having taken these things into consideration, that we are willing to extend the royal clemency on him, and that said Robert J. Sheffield, the, the said Robert J. Sheffield, we have pardoned, remitted, and released him of every penalty to which he was liable in pursuance thereof. He was a criminal, but the government of Canada gave him a pardon, and they wrote off his record, and they said that it is as though he had never done anything wrong. Now listen to me. If a, if a government... Can, can pardon someone and say that they are free from whatever it is that they have done, that they did not do it in essence, that they are now not a criminal, though before they were a criminal. If a government can do that, if they can show that much grace, how much more can a heavenly Father who is all gracious and all kind and all merciful, how can He do it? Let me tell you, when God forgives, when God takes care of sin, He blots out our record and it is not remembered. What does God do with our sin? Fourth, here's the fourth image. Well, it really has two of them in this one verse. But God has hurled our sin into the sea. It says, Micah 7 and verse 19, You will again have compassion on us. I like this just as much as the second one. You will tread our sins underfoot. I like that thought. And hurl our, our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So I get this image from this verse. That this is what God does. He takes our sin and he says, I don't like you. And he just, he just puts it under his foot and after he's stopped on it a while, he picks it up and he throws it into the sea, never to be found. I like the one thing about God, when he hurls our sins into the sea, he doesn't write down a map on where they went. They are gone. You've got to get this image that God is a gracious God and when He takes care of your sins, when you bring your sin to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you ask God for forgiveness, friends, the blood of Jesus Christ makes it all gone. When you are covered by the blood, you are clean. Don't go under the blood of Jesus and try to pull out what has already been forgiven. If God has forgiven you, leave it there. We used to sing, bring your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. I think it needs to be expanded. Bring your sins. Bring your iniquities. Bring your faults. Bring your failures. Bring everything to the Lord and let Him take care of it. We have a gracious, merciful, heavenly Father who will do it. The blood of Jesus Christ can wash away every stain. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, He takes your sins away. We also have sang for many, many years, 
He took my sins away. Friends, we need to celebrate that with the reality that when God takes them, they're gone. Now, I can remember them. I can remember my sin. You can too. I mean, it, sometimes it haunts you. I can imagine what it must have done to Simon Peter after he had sinned to go back and to look at those things and to think, you know, the Lord said I was going to do this, and I said I, would, I wouldn't, but I did do it. Oh, what a miserable failure I am. But when Simon came back, Jesus asked him some questions. He, he said to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, do you love me? And Simon said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then Jesus asked him again, Simon, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus asked him a third time, Simon, do you love me? You need to understand that even when you fail, I'm not giving you permission to fail. I'm just telling you that when you do, you don't need to run from God. You don't need to be afraid of God. You don't need to live in that sin. You don't need to let it haunt you and control your life. When you sin, you need to run to God. And you can find grace and mercy to help you. And you will find that God, God wants to forgive you. That God wants to bring you in. That God, God truly does have a love for you. And if you, if you will give your love to him, friends, God is not going to trample on you. He may trample on your sin. He may hurl your sin away. But God will ne never hurl you away or trample on you. His grace is sufficient for you. I know some of us have been miserable failures. Oh, we have. We have failed terribly. Some of you in this room today have done some things that you're totally ashamed of. And you should be. You should be ashamed of your sin. We all should. We should be, we should be horrified that we could do something like that after what God has done for us. That God would send his son to die on the cross that we would go and sin. We should be ashamed. But when we feel that shame and guilt, our, our response should be, I will run to the Lord. He will forgive me. He will show me grace. He will extend kindness to me. And it's not on my account. It's because of the blood of Jesus. I'm going to close. Here's what God does. God looks down at you in, in your wretched condition. And he looks and he sees the blood of Christ. And God says, you know, the blood of my son is enough. The blood of my son, it's enough. So when God looks down and sees what you have done, he sees, you, he sees that you've sinned. 
But he says, if you, if you will ask, I will forgive you. And when I forgive you, I will take your sin away. And it will be as though you've never sinned. I'll give you new life, a new future, new hope, new joy, new peace. It all starts over. Friends, some of you have been a Christian for many years and you have sinned. I don't know why you have been hesitant to come back to God. Maybe you fear the judgment of, of others, that somebody will say something to you. They may. People are cruel. God isn't. People may not forgive, but God does. I want to tell you something, church, and please listen to me. I'm going to get very, very blunt here. If there is any people that should ever be forgiving people, it should be the church. Because we have received grace. And as Jesus told Simon, when you come back and you have been washed with the blood and you have received grace, strengthen those around you. If, if anyone in this room has sinned, and we have, we should be the very first ones to throw our arms around them and say, I forgive you for Christ's sake and never hold it against them again. If you don't do that, you're not fulfilling the perfect law of love. And you need to ask for forgiveness. And God will. Praise God. Bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would speak to men and women in a way that I have not been able to, personally, in their heart, and draw them to the cross, to Christ. I trust you have been blessed by the words of inspiration and encouragement. It is the goal of First Assembly to minister to you at your point of need, to bring people to Jesus, to develop them to Christ-like maturity, and equip them for life. This is a place of worship, study, service, and fellowship. Come and worship and magnify the Lord with us at 1107 East 11th Street, where there is a place for you.